I gotta start by saying the obvious. I have no life. They're at least not lately. A while back, I moved from across the bay in Berkeley to Brooklyn. Since then, I spend almost all my time looking at the most idiotic and random things I can find on the internet. One link on r slash all leads me to spend hour after hour falling down a stupid rabbit hole of obscure references, 4chan jokes, and stories that probably never happened in the first place. I'm not alone in this unproductive use of time. Everybody has their own internet vice. Teenagers watch celebrity Snapchat stories. Young mothers are combing through mommy blogs for parenting tips. And I don't even need to try to describe the crazy number of hours gamers spend watching Let's Plays on YouTube or Twitch. I'm sure the move has a lot to do with my obsession. I haven't really tried to branch out or meet new people because that sounds daunting. Most people my age have a group of friends, maybe a girlfriend, a fiance, or like a hella close family. I, on the other hand, have the internet and myself. Okay, maybe that's overstating it. Sure, I have my fair share of work friends that I can share a beer with. And hey, sometimes an old college friend will take a flight from California to come see me. But if my lack of social life led me to my most recent find, I'm glad to have been alone. I came to the conclusion that the safest way to investigate this would be to do it publicly. This way, if others know more, they can join in and help. Because this is too big to keep to myself. Now before you start guessing, no, it's not some deep web conspiracy. In fact, this didn't even start on social media at all. Which, considering the sheer amount of hours I spend on Reddit, is almost as unbelievable as what I'm about to tell you. When I first moved to Brooklyn, I did what a lot of people do. I got an Airbnb to stay in while I searched for an apartment. Like a true cheapskate, I looked through probably hundreds of potential rooms I could stay in when I came across the most insane listing for $5 a night. This had to be some kind of scam or a glitch. There was just no way in hell that a 10-bedroom, 6-bathroom brownstone in a nice area of Brooklyn was going to go for under $100 a night, let alone 5 The place was just off the subway on a street that looked safe and beautiful, but the house itself, well, it was stunning. The front, first of all, was covered in a thick nest of vines and wisteria. It looked like it belonged somewhere in the countryside with like horses and something running around it and an annoyingly like perfect garden surrounding it rather than some like hidden away on a random street in residential Brooklyn. So I was entranced. I mean, the price alone caught my interest, but its appearance had me hooked.
the photos of the inside were even more spectacular than would be expected. The rooms were outfitted with well-maintained and color-matched furniture that looked like family heirlooms passed from generation to generation. And even more strange, the owner of this magnificent house, this woman who called herself the innkeeper, had a bizarre request for anyone who wanted to stay. Hello and welcome to my home, or as I call it, the manor. As a little girl, I long dreamed of owning and decorating a house of my own design. Now, as a young mother, I have finally fulfilled my lifelong dream. Together with my daughter Penelope, I run my very own bed and breakfasts, like an inn or a boarding house of yesteryear. Here at the manor, you can count on homemade meals and friendly and engaging company. Think of this as your relaxing home away from home for both you and your kin. Given that sharing my home and meals offers me so much pleasure, I feel it deserves no payment. In fact, I will hand you your money after you arrive as Airbnb does not allow me to post a $0 nightly charge. Okay, so I had so many questions reading this. First of all, how can anybody afford to live in a full brownstone and not charge guests? And who calls herself the innkeeper? How many requests does she receive for this ad? How does she decide who's worthy to go? And what happens to those that stay? Okay, again, I know what you're thinking. What do the reviews say? Let me just preface it with this. You would think that those who left a review had experienced the second coming of Jesus Christ at this woman's manor. The listing has an unprecedented 5.0 rating with 35 ratings. Here, I'll read a couple so you can see the thread. And let me just say that I 100% thought this was some weird spike in like bot traffic that the owner probably paid for. But each review is so different and specific that I can't even imagine a bot that could have been programmed this well to give this kind of detail. Staying at The Manor was a once-in-a-lifetime experience that I highly recommend to any and everyone. The innkeeper and her sweet, sweet daughter are among the kindest people I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. I, I was in a very rough point in my life. I just lost a close family member and needed something to get me out of my funk. But I swear, the two weeks my family and I spent, free of charge I might add, at the manor freed me of my pain. I left that house a new woman. Those heartwarming meals and that loving household allowed me to finally let go of all the pain I was walking in with. Okay, so sounds like a religious experience or a cult, right? Now, devil's advocate, Addie was obviously in some serious pain, so maybe any vacation would have gotten a five-star rating. Still, it seems oddly personal to share all those details with a stranger, and a little bit weird to post about an intimate time in such a public way. Maybe that's just me.
my best friend died tragically at the age of 28. A week after the funeral, I stumbled across the Airbnb page for the manor. Desperate to escape, I took the aeroplane to the States. The innkeeper and her daughter let me in with open arms and open hearts. I spent many nights sat in the foyer of the house, drinking homemade chocolate and talking about my life with the innkeeper. Her daughter was only a few years old at the time, and her smile was infectious. Those two pulled me out of the darkest times of my lives. I'm forever grateful for the time I spent at the manor. The innkeep and Little Penny forever have a flat to stay in, if ever they find themselves in London. Thanks again. Signed, Fraser. So this is when something dawned on me and all the alarms started going off in my head. No one place is unanimously that perfect. Like, these people, I feel like, must have been drugged or something. Am I being a little too cynical? Maybe. But think about it. Can you name one place or thing where everyone you talk to is in 100% agreement? I mean, I love Paris, but my mother thinks it's a dump. I spent a semester in college in New Zealand with my best friend at the time, and the whole time I was itching to get out of there, and he was in love. In fact, he's still there to this day. Look, my point is, everyone has a different opinion, and it's super rare that humans can all agree on one thing. Hell, there are even people that don't believe the Holocaust ever happened. So finding a place where 35 people all agree that a house and a person is perfect was beyond fishy to me. So I dug in deep. As I always do. Like I said, I have no life. I read all 35 reviews in about an hour and already found some inconsistencies. For instance, though the reviews spanned only a little less than five years, the different people referenced the innkeeper's daughter as a wide variety of ages. So some of them note Penny as being a young child, while others are describing her as a sarcastic teenager, and still others are noting that she was a preteen covered in acne. So we all know that children don't age that fast within a five-year window. Again, I know I seem like a nut job. Maybe these guests are just not super perceptive. I mean, after all, they all seem to think that this landlady is some sort of spiritual healer instead of a hostess. But I have proof. Like a true internet stalker, I cross-referenced the dates of the reviews with the news. I mean, a free Airbnb is bound to catch the interest of some bored local writer, right? Well, I was right. In an article dated January of 2013 in the North Brooklyn Sentinel is a smiling picture of the innkeeper sat next to a young child in the salon of the house. Now, presumably the young child is this Penelope. Or Penny, as they call her. Now, she looks to be around two in this photo, and yet there is a review submitted on February of 2013 where this guest, Mark, describes Penny as a strong-willed eight-year-old girl whose fast-biting comments make him chuckle. So needless to say, I was hooked. How does someone age from two to eight in a month? No, seriously, how? I legitimately Googled that. Now granted, searching reverse Benjamin button disorder can only prove to be so helpful. 
So I came to the conclusion that something weird must be happening in the manor. And I was bored enough in my daily life that I decided that I'm going to make it my mission to find that out. My name is Charles Aramond, but you can call me Charlie. And this is The Innkeeper. Like any good amateur investigator or cop show enthusiasts, I decided to host a stake out of the house. I figured there's no harm in seeing the scene of the crime up close and personal. Maybe, with any luck, I'd meet the innkeeper herself, or this strange Penelope. So I made my way onto the subway and up to the northernmost part of Brooklyn, a quaint little Polish neighborhood fondly called Greenpoint after its crops from centuries past. Similar to many urban areas, the once heavily immigrant-owned neighborhood was slowly undergoing gentrification. The once Polish line signs had made way for matcha bars and artisan coffee shops. The contrast of white-collared, well-educated kids in their 20s with a variety of colors in their hair and tattoos on their body to the established older Polish families with strict Catholic principles and immense pride for their national European football team made for the rare sort of chemistry that I've only ever seen in New York. I walked around the neighborhood, down the busy streets filled with numerous stores, down to the smaller, more residential passages with the signs denoted historical Greenpoint. There it was, albeit a few misturns and long confused glances at decorated lawns that I found the source of my obsession, the manor. Pictures did not do this place justice. I felt like I was seeing a different world from my own. The streets' old-fashioned houses and well-tended lawns felt like the setting of a period film. But there was something more than that. It felt like I didn't even have an understanding of what I was truly seeing. And that's when I saw a man looking up at me from across the street. His ears were slightly pointed, and his body was tall and lanky. His eyes were a piercing mixture of gray and green, and his hair was jet black. He looked like he was from a different time or world from my own. Something about his hard glare woke me up from my reverie. I suddenly was made very aware that I was trespassing. Strange as it sounds, I swear that through his gaze, I was told to go away and never come back. It felt like the message was being zapped into my brain, like transferred into some sort of weird mind internet. I was probably being paranoid. I mean, here I am essentially stalking somebody. And maybe I was going crazy. But I shook my head, breaking the spell, and started making my way off the street. But I took one last look at the manor, and I found myself catching eyes with, it's so weird to say this, but with the most striking woman I have ever seen. 
I mean, in the photos and the newspaper articles and the reviews, I was only looking for the child. And in trying to prove my theory right about the strange circumstances, about her age, my very narrow investigation had apparently robbed me of the beauty of the mother. I felt a presence move closer to me. It was probably the angry male neighbor, but my eyes didn't break from hers. This feeling, this one was much more natural. My heart beat faster. I probably blushed from being caught staring at such a lovely house and an even lovelier woman. But his footsteps got closer and closer to me until I finally heard him say out loud, It's time for you to go, Charles. My whole body tensed. My blood ran cold. I started to run. My mind and my heart were racing with my feet. Who was this strange man and how does he know my name? How did he move so quickly from one side of the street to now right beside me? It couldn't have been more than 20 seconds that I looked away. People don't move that fast. Why did he want me to leave? I looked back one last time at the enchanting innkeeper. Concern weighed heavily on her face and she slowly waved goodbye. Behind her was a small child, no more than maybe five years old, standing there with an emotionless stare across her face. So this is where I need your help, and this is why I've decided to publish my findings. So if anything happens in this investigation, there is a record, hopefully a few people following along. So if you know anything about the manor, the innkeeper, Penelope or this strange neighborhood man who knew my fucking name, please email me at theinkeeperpodcast at gmail.com. That's I-N-N-K-E-E-P-E-R podcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any suggestions or theories or anything else. I've already met with some of the previous guests, and I have some hunches as to what's happening. I'm going to try to post a few times a week to keep you updated as I learn more. Thank you so much for listening. But before you go, please rate this podcast. It helps more people find it. Uh, Feel free to follow along on my journey on my Facebook page, The Innkeeper Podcast. I know who uses Facebook anymore. Look, I wanted to make a subreddit, but apparently longtime lurkers who don't post anything don't have enough karma to start a subreddit, which is a crap rule. But anyway, I digress. Until next time, stay safe and keep searching.